This message comes from NPR sponsor, Acorn TV. Acorn TV is brilliant television told brilliantly. From charmingly cozy mysteries to daringly dark dramas. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. Acorn TV. Brilliant. This year's Super Bowl is in the books, and the Kansas City Chiefs are your world champions after a closely fought come-from-behind win against the Philadelphia Eagles. It was a tight back-and-forth game with a controversial finish, a hit-packed halftime show with Rihanna, and lots of commercials for chips, candy, and beer. I'm Stephen Thompson. It is 11:24 on Sunday night, and we are recapping Super Bowl 57 on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from our sponsor, Whole Foods Market. Planning a party or honoring a recent grad? Whatever the celebration, Whole Foods Market can make things easy, starting with some delicious marinated steaks, always antibiotic and hormone-free. Simple and easy eats are ready in the prepared foods department. And for dessert, how about a luscious berry chantilly cake? Not in the mood to cook? Their catering menu offers festive options ready to order online at shop.wfm.com. Start every celebration at Whole Foods Market. Joining me is one of the hosts of NPR's Code Switch podcast, Gene Demby. Hey, Gene. Hey, Stephen. Ugh. <laughs> What's good with you? <laughs> I'm so sorry, buddy. Also with us is writer Kiana Fitzgerald. She has a book coming out in July called Ode to Hip Hop, 50 Albums That Define 50 Years of Trailblazing Music. I can't wait. It's available for pre-order now. Hey, Kiana. Hey, Stephen. Good to see you again. It is a pleasure to have both of you here. Now, Since we cover pop music more than sports here on Pop Culture Happy Hour, we're actually going to start with the halftime show. Rihanna performed a medley of 12 songs in just 13 minutes. Let's actually hear a little bit of her performing her song, Diamonds. She had no surprise guests, though Rihanna would later reveal that she was carrying a surprise guest with her the whole time. She is pregnant. There was a ton of anticipation for this show, especially given that Rihanna's last studio album, Anti, was released seven years ago. Kiana, I'm going to start with you. What did you think of the halftime performance? I have not seen Rihanna perform in a while, so I was gathering up the crumbs. I was like, I need all of this. (laughs) I'm so excited for this experience. And personally, I watched the performance without any social media, without any text. They was going off. I was like, no, I'm just going to engage. And I had a great time. You know, she has hit after hit after hit as so many people online and even in this conversation have said, and I was quite excited for it. I know that after I came back to social and to my text, I saw the people were like, oh, where's her energy? Where's the choreo? And I was like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? And then, you know, of course, as the, the night progressed, we found out that she was indeed pregnant, which I'm like, whoa. But I'm also like, me and my sister are a year, a month, and a day apart. So I'm not that surprised. <laughs> but yeah, I enjoyed it. I think she's one of the artists of our generation, just in terms of the output that she's produced and the work that she's put in. And I'm looking forward to seeing what she does when she is ready to get back out there. Nice. How about you, Gene? So I'm a Rihanna fan. And also, you know, I was still sort of like wrapping my mind around the fact that she was going to do it because she famously said she would not do the Super Bowl halftime show for all sorts of reasons around her politics. And she said that, like, why would she do that? There would be a sellout move. Could have been Colin Kaepernick. It could have been, like, any number of, like, really atrocious NFL goings on. And she said that could have been the reason 
that she would have been distancing herself from the Super Bowl halftime show. But also, like, Rihanna's, like, one of the biggest pop stars in the world. Like, when it comes mm-hmm. to, like, monocultural moments, Super Bowl is one of the very few left, right? Like, she's one of the few people who, like, can, like, legitimately claim to be, like, a Super Bowl halftime show caliber artist. Right. So we were watching the show. My wife and I watched the halftime show. At first, we're like, yo, she's kind of, like, laconic, <laughs> right? <laughs> we're sort of joking, like, oh, maybe she's going to do, like, a downbeat halftime show. You know, just that this is her protest. Like, I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to put, <laughs> put my back into it. I'm going to do nothing but that really <laughs> slow song from Black Panther with kind of But then we're like, oh, wait, is Rihanna pregnant? And then we're like, are we allowed to ask if Rihanna's pregnant? And so we're like, is she pregnant? I think she did do, like, a belly rub, but I... We must have missed it. That was supposed to be the exclamation point moment. But it happened at the very beginning. We must have missed it. It was very quick, yeah. It was very quick. But again, like you said, she has so many hits, right? And at this point, like over the course of we're going back like 15 years now, right? Like there are so many, as any big pop star has, like there's so many like eras of Rihanna, these sort of touch points, right? I was like, oh, it's like we're like, like you said, Stephen, 12 songs in 13 minutes is like, I guess we got to get the umbrella soon. And she's like, it's like running through, like, okay, work has to come in. Like, we're just trying to, like, she legitimately feels like one of the few artists who has a catalog of hits who can actually, like, do this thing. And it was a show. You know, like, it was really well put together. But yeah. she was just almost sort of, like, along for the ride in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, it's worth pointing out. I mean, there were a ton of costume dancers. Mm-hmm. You had this whole thing where a bunch of people, including Rihanna herself, were performing on these kind of floating platforms mm-hmm. that were clearly held up with wires that I'm sure had to be rigorously stress-tested <laughs> to make sure Absolutely. that no one was horribly hurt. Mm-hmm. It still was a lavish Super Bowl halftime show spectacle. I do think it's interesting that Rihanna herself was somewhat of a low-key presence here. Mm -hmm. I do think the process of trying to distill her massive catalog down to 13 minutes Mm -hmm. and kind of making the decision to make it skim across her catalog, like just getting roughly a minute of Mm -hmm. each song, Mm -hmm. felt like it did a little bit of a disservice to A, how great some of those songs are, and B, a concert's momentum. I don't think there was ever necessarily really an opportunity to stop and just like revel in a great song. Mm -hmm. It was a little bit more like, look how many hits there are, Mm -hmm. and then the show was over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons I was excited that Rihanna was going to perform the Super Bowl halftime show is that it seemed like it would be a harbinger of more new Rihanna music. (laughs) She hasn't put out a full album in seven years, and I want it. Um, (laughs) But this felt like a little bit more like it was checking boxes. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't disagree. And I feel like part of my personal standom might be getting in the way of like the bigger picture, obviously. <laughs> as, you know, a critic, as someone who was like very invested in music and in her music, I was excited to see her in general and then also mm-hmm. see her perform her hits. And I'm not as critical as people have been that I've seen on like Twitter and Instagram and things like that, TikTok, you know, all the platforms, (laughs) you know, I think at this exact moment, people are focusing more on the pregnancy than they are on Mm -hmm. the show itself. Mm -hmm. And I think the show itself was good. I think it was fine. But like, you know, we've seen Prince, we've seen Beyonce, like we've Mm -hmm. seen absolute like powerhouse shows and Mm -hmm. this was not that but i understand why it wasn't i'll take this over maroon (laughs) five and to your point like the maroon five thing only underscores like how few people can sort of like hold a stadium Mm -hmm. you named you said prince you said beyonce it's probably like lady gaga jennifer lopez shakira 
Rihanna. Right. After that, instead of like who you know, you end up with the weekend. You know what I mean? You end up with like right. people who are like, you know, big artists, but not like global superstars. All right. Well, with apologies to my Eagles loving friend Gene Demby, let's talk about this game. The Philadelphia Eagles dominated early. They were up 24 to 14 mm-hmm. at the half, seemingly scoring at will. Yeah. The only reason the game was as close as it was was because of an Eagles turnover that got returned for a touchdown. But the Chiefs came roaring back in the third quarter, thanks in part to the heroics of quarterback Patrick Mahomes, who had aggravated a high ankle sprain shortly before halftime. He'd gotten hurt a few weeks ago in the playoffs against Jacksonville and came back and played a week later with a high ankle sprain. Those injuries take a while to recover. Uh, With the score tied at 35 with less than two minutes to play, a holding call on the Eagles gave the Chiefs a late first down that set up what turned out to be the game-winning field goal. The final score was Kansas City 38, Philadelphia 35. And for the second time in four years, your Super Bowl MVP is Patrick Mahomes. He is the first player since the 1999 season to win NFL MVP and Super Bowl MVP in the same year. Wow. Gene, I'm so sorry. Tell me in a way that our audience will not find offensive what you thought of this game. Objectively, it was a really good game up until the last Mm -hmm. two minutes of game time. As you just mentioned, like, there was this call. It would have put the Eagles in a bad position. Like, it still would have been a long shot had it not gone that way, but it became just a longer shot. You know, I mean, I enjoyed it in part because it was, you know, it was a high-scoring game. The Eagles looked really good for most of it. And you said we're up 24-14 at the half. I was like, okay, we're going to win this. Like, the Eagles are the best team in football. They've been the best team in football all year. That's a pretty good cushion. But then, of course, we're playing against Patrick Mahomes. And I think Patrick Mahomes is this, obviously, like this generational talent. It's really fascinating to watch. It feels like you're seeing this transitional moment this whole playoffs has been a celebration of this younger generation of excellent quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts, the Eagles quarterback, was second in MVP voting to Patrick Mahomes. This is the first Super Bowl with two black starting quarterbacks, which should be noted because that has been a position that black players have been shepherded out of early on. Mm-hmm. They may have quarterbacks in college and get shepherded out of that position to play other positions. 60% of the players in the NFL are black and it's still relatively rare for teams that have black starting QB. So for two of them to be in the Super Bowl was a big historic moment. That being said, you know, my wife and I, after the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2018, the first time the Eagles have ever won the Super Bowl, it was like one of the best moments of my life. I was with my then-girlfriend and wife in Philly. It was like just this really, really dope time. And after that, we sort of felt like we could, we just relinquished. <laughs> Football is a big part of our early courtship, you know, and we went like, okay, we don't have to support this league that does all these things that we, that makes us feel so dirty all the time. And then this year, you know, her Niners and my Eagles <laughs> were really good. We played each other to get to the Super Bowl. We had the game that decided who went to the Super Bowl was between our two teams. And so we just started, you know, peeking our head over the fence slowly you know as the year went on <laughs> when we beat her team two weeks ago she was a sore loser about it and i just for- i forgot that was a part of our courtship too that she was a bad <laughs> loser she's like it sucks when your team loses and i was like oh i can't relate <laughs> and now of course <laughs> oh, no. i'm on the other end of it and she's like it feels bad doesn't it i was like oh it feels terrible i forgot how bad this feels <laughs> this is what we get we, we dipped our toe back into the nfl waters again and we both got burned <laughs> this should have been a lesson to us <laughs> This is why you can only have nice things once in your entire (laughs) life. So, Kiana, I know you are a more objective observer where this game is concerned. What did you think? I will say that as someone who did not have a dog in this fight, it was a great game. Once upon a time, I wanted to be a sports writer. So I was invested. You know, it was a great back and forth. 
And I enjoyed myself up until, as we said, the last couple minutes where it just kind of got a little bit wishy-washy and it was like, oh, this is how this is ending. Mm-hmm. Overall, I had a great time. You know, condolences to the Eagles fans, but I think it was a great Super Bowl in terms of it was never a moment where I was like, oh, this is a wash. Like, this is a a blowout. So I appreciated that about it. Mm -hmm. Honestly, you know, I came into this game, my Packers were soiling the bed more or less all season long and it really just got to the point where what my rooting interest besides the fact that i have dear friends who are eagles fans and i have dear friends who are chiefs fans Mm -hmm. i really wanted the super bowl just to come down to the a the two best teams in football Mm -hmm. and be a really great game Mm -hmm. and that was ultimately what i got i was very disappointed to see the game kind of come down to this sort of ticky tack penalty Mm -hmm. ultimately i saw a great football game between two great football teams with two transcendent and likable young quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. It is interesting to watch the Kansas City Chiefs start to do that morph that the New England Patriots did in the early aughts Mm -hmm. where they transform from lovable underdog into obnoxious bully. (laughs) (laughs) But here we are. This is the arc of a dynasty. In the Super Bowl, for all the sort of pomp around the Super Bowl, it is often, as a game itself, like one of the worst <laughs> sporting events to consume. It is usually mm-hmm. not close. It's gotten better over the last 10 years or so like that. Like there are more games that at least end within like a touchdown to each other. But historically, these are not close games. They tend to be really boring. Like high-flying teams with like really high-power offenses for, like historically do really poorly in games like this, which was one of the things I thought was going to happen is like, oh, maybe this is going to be like a very boring game where like these teams are like so evenly matched and so schemed so well against each other that it's kind of like a rock fight. But it wasn't that. It was a really entertaining game. Well, it is the Super Bowl. If nothing else, it is a massive feast of capitalism in which everything is amped up. And that includes commercial after commercial after commercial. What did y'all think of this enormous, never-ending parade of celebrities hawking God knows what. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I felt as though the commercials were a bit lackluster. I did not have any extreme favorites. There were a couple that I was interested in, and like the Diddy Uber One commercial Mm -hmm. with Montel Jordan and Khalees and a couple other folks. I was entertained by that. Uber One! Uber One saves me, saves me way more. I was also entertained by the Doritos commercial with um, Jack Harlow Jack and Missy Harlow. Elliott and everybody. Sway and Heather B. You gonna quit rap for a triangle? I gotta do me, Missy. No, no, no. It's ding, 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 ding. Not ding, 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 ding. I'll just talk about the one that I was not feeling. The Butt Light commercial oh, with yes. the hold music. Mm. Sorry, are you still there? Yes. Okay, please hold. And the reason why I didn't like it is because black TikTokers did that probably months, if not a year ago. It mm. seemed like they kind of just repurposed it and made it into this commercial without any kind of attribution. And mm. that bothered me as someone who is like invested in like black creators getting their due and making sure that they are being recognized for the things that they do. So 
I wasn't feeling that one too much, but another one that I thought was interesting was the Tubi commercial where it seemed as though you were changing the channel and people were freaking out across Twitter. Like, <laughs> what happened? Do we need to restart this? What's going on? <laughs> so that was hilarious to me. But yeah, those are the ones that stuck out. Yeah, that one with the whole music was like, oh, this is literally all the memes that mm-hmm. like like a year ago, those memes about that music, that whole music. Everyone's like, oh, they said, whoever made this whole music snapped. <laughs> just like, they just <laughs> exactly. they went off when they made this whole music. Mm-hmm. The commercial that jumped out to me the most was the Blue Moon commercial. It was the strangest <laughs> mm. thing I've ever seen. Like, Yeah, it was Coors and Miller Lite. Yeah, and they're like, psych, nah, it's actually a Blue Moon commercial. I was like, what? <laughs> Coors commercial, Miller commercial. Actually, it's a Blue Moon commercial. See, I spent the whole commercial like name-checking two <laughs> other rivals, I guess? And then... In the last two seconds of the commercial, like, psych, nah, is this. I was trying to figure out, like, what was supposed to be happening there. It felt like the thing that was happening in these commercials, is the thing that's happening in TV shows and movies, is, like, just all nostalgia, all references. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. there was that uh, Doritos commercial that was just, hey, y'all remember Breaking Bad, right? I believe that was for Pop Chips. Yeah, Pop pop Corners, Pop Corners. Pop Corners. <laughs> <laughs> just goes to show, by the way, how effective <laughs> these commercials are. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, there was the one that was for something. <laughs> There were a bunch of old rock stars and it was some kind of product for businesses. I have no idea. It's like, oh, do you want mm-hmm. your snack product to be associated with meth? Like, is that what you I mean, it's just a very right? weird. <laughs> it seems to be like they're just referencing things for the sake of referencing them. Mm-hmm. But it's like, do y'all, is that the thing y'all want to reference though? It's just a very strange parade of commercials this year. Mm-hmm. After a while, it felt like I was watching a series of commercials for fame itself. Mm. It just felt like the only thing that was being advertised was celebrities. Mm-hmm. And that that has certainly been the case in previous runs of Super Bowl ads. This is, if you are a celebrity of any stripe, this is your time to shine. Mm-hmm. But boy, mm-hmm. it just felt like a parade of famous people from the past and present mm-hmm. just hawking stuff over and over again. I have to say, I was I was notably disappointed by the M&M's ads. There had been sort of weeks of run-up where M&M's had sort of inadvertently kind of stumbled backwards into the culture wars, mm-hmm. where they wound up, quote-unquote, discontinuing their mm. spokes candies, and Tucker Carlson was mad because he was no longer attracted to the <laughs> yeah. one M&M. I don't know, man. <laughs> This is this is the country we've got. And then the, the Maya Rudolph thing I just thought landed with such a plop. My big takeaway ad-wise was nobody seemed to be advertising cryptocurrency. And for that, <laughs> we are all better. Eternally grateful. Because it felt like it was everywhere in the previous Super Bowls. It is worth noting that 12 months ago, Larry David appeared in a Super Bowl commercial for FTX. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. What a time. (laughs) What an age we live in. Oh, my God. All right. Well, that is a wrap on the Super Bowl. Before we go, we did want to take a moment to remember the rapper Trugoy the Dove, who died at the age of 54. That news broke over the weekend. He was one of the founding members of the hip-hop trio De La Soul, whose albums Three Feet High and Rising and De La Soul is Dead were hugely beloved and influential in expanding the sound and style of hip-hop in the late 80s and early 90s. I love these records so much. And this is just such sad, sad news. Yeah, it's um, obviously unexpected. And I think this will impact a lot of people. It's unfortunate in many ways, but especially because De La Soul's music was coming to streaming very soon. And they were going to see that kind of 
you know, rejuvenation of their their careers and their their content and the music that they made. And for this to happen at this moment was especially heartbreaking. And I just can say that I'm appreciative of him for being able to have fun and encourage fun while also expressing himself in a meaningful way. And being a part of a culture shift that really allowed a lot of people to come into hip hop that did not feel welcome before. Mm-hmm. De La Soul did so much and it's heartbreaking because we're losing so many legends, so many legends in the making for various reasons. And I just hope that people will take the time to sit with this music when it does hit streaming mm-hmm. and acknowledge how much of an impact that they made. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that their music was about to come to streaming. And part of the reason it hadn't been on streaming was because their music was so sonically ambitious and they were using samples from all over the place that mm-hmm. De La Soul just couldn't clear all the samples. Their albums would just be like layers and layers of samples. And so part of the reason that they couldn't get from under a lot of the stuff was that they couldn't get like all these rights clearances, right? And they were fighting for all this other stuff. And so they are like one of the, on my Mount Rushmore, you know, like I'm a little bit younger than Three Feet High and Rising. Stakes is High was like one of my favorite albums in high school. And The Grind Date was one of my favorite albums when I first moved to New York in my early 20s. And I just like loved them so much. And they were so weird. And like the, the sort of rhyme schemes were sort of like going weird. Like, oh, that's not where I thought y'all were going. Mm-hmm. It's just really unfortunate. 54 is not old. Not at and all. You, you keep thinking about all these rappers when they pass away. Yeah. It's like they're, it's the same. It's like in that age range. They're like these are middle-aged people like Gangsta Boo recently and, mm-hmm. and DMX. And now yeah, uh, MF and Doom. Yeah. MF Doom. Like these are just like people who should have a lot of life left. It's really sad, man. It's just really sad. Yeah, it's crushing. Well, we're going to take you out with a little bit of music. Uh, let's hear a little bit of Me, Myself, and I, one of my favorite songs of the entire 1980s. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Tell me, mirror, what is wrong? Can it be my daylight clothes or is it just my daylight song? What I do ain't make-believe. People say I sit and try. But when it comes to being daylight, it's just me, myself, and I. And that brings us to the end of our show. Kiana Fitzgerald, Gene Demby, thanks so much to both of you for being here. Thank you. I appreciate you. This episode was produced by Mike Katzoff and edited by Jessica Reedy. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Stephen Thompson, and we will see you all tomorrow. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Mass Mutual. The Financial Educators Council says 39% of Americans don't have someone to go to for financial advice, but you can plan for the short and long term with someone backed by 170 years of financial expertise at MassMutual.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. It's called protein degradation, and if you're a bad protein in a cancer cell, you'd better get your affairs in order. Because now, thanks to Dana-Farber's foundational work, protein degradation can target cancer-causing proteins and destroy them right inside the cell. This approach is making a difference in multiple myeloma and other blood cancers and is how Dana-Farber is working to treat previously untreatable cancers. More at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. Pro-Palestinian protests have popped up on college campuses across the country. But from the eyes of students, what are we missing? From the outside, these protests are painted as really violent when that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm Brittany Luce, host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, and I'm inviting you to hear from student journalists who see what the rest of us cannot. On It's Been a Minute from NPR.